Welcome, welcome to Steve Dunn Podcast. My guest today is John Miles, the founder and CEO of Miles Mediation and Arbitration. John has given many interviews and written countless articles about the business of mediation and his own background and history. And I thought for our conversation today, it might be fun to talk about the qualities of a good mediator. I've got my own ideas about it, but John has known and worked with way more mediators than I ever have. We had a great conversation talking about the work and we couldn't help ourselves to talk about the business too. So here we go. I started uh, in the um, like late 90s, early 2000s, uh, mediators were retired white judges. The reason for that was that the, the, the perception in the marketplace, first of all, mediation at that time was a little bit like acupuncture, you know, um, and it was this new thing, you know, real people go to orthopedists, but there's this new thing. So if you're going to do the new thing, you need to go with a trusted source. Now, at that time, were all cases required to participate in mediation or was the, the, the process itself brand new in the legal profession? Process was brand new. There was no requirement for, for mediation. So if you were going to do it, you would find someone who had experience being you know, in the judicial process, which would be a judge. So all of the uh, initial pioneers, if you will, were former or, well, yeah, they would be former judges. And that's what they were. As a consequence, they brought with them a heavy uh, prejudice toward um, telling people what to do and advising them that I've seen this case judging the, yes. the issues and, t and telling people how it's going to turn out. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Well then how do you, uh, you were not a judge, right? I was not. So how do you then as a non-judge break into this world where the whole population of mediators seems to be a pretty homogeneous group? What I did, I never enjoyed. And for years you, I had, you mean as a lawyer, as a lawyer yeah. for, for years, I had some success doing it. And um, I remember telling my wife, you know, I just don't uh, enjoy this. In fact, we had this. What thing. kind of lawyer were you? I was a litigator, mm -hmm. uh, insurance defense. Okay. And I would tell my wife, um, I had, well, we had what we came to call the Sunday saddies. Yeah, and, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, about three or four o'clock, the, you know, the stomach on Sunday, and, and you'd go in. And I remember, well, everyone hates their job, right? So for about a three, four-year period of time, I really began this process of what can I do, but I had a... Uh, my son, Jake, was at that time a uh, preschooler. We had a mortgage. You're talking about Jake Miles, who famously now is the chief financial officer of yes. Miles Mediation and Arbitration. The one in the same. All that right. is correct. Yes, indeed. So I was at a point where I was trying to find out what I wanted to do. Um, and look, at that point, I wasn't looking for something I was passionate about. I was just looking for something I didn't hate as much as what I was currently doing. Something that's related that can make use of your experience and capabilities, but isn't the same as representing insurance companies in Correct. car crash cases. Yeah, okay. Now, now keep in mind, I, I'm entering into this at a time in the late 90s, early 2000s, when it's still predominantly white, it's still predominantly over 60 judges. And that is not what I was. So the only avenue that was open to me at that point, Steve, was low-end automobile accident cases that these 
uh, paradigm of uh, you know of, of judicial experience and knowledge and, and wisdom didn't want to do. So Miles Mediation, in which at that time was John Miles, was just me going around saying, "Hey, I'll do it cheaper, and I'll do it quicker." You as a new person in the field have to kind of learn by doing right you have to like get a few repetitions under your belt before you even figure out you know how, how to be good at it i would mediate anything so you learned by doing and for cases at that level i'm, I'm talking about cases that are settling for under fifty thousand dollars really shouldn't take more than two to three hours you learned pretty quickly uh, that what you were really about was reality testing because you had Three participants in most mediations would be two-party. You'd have a defense lawyer, insurance adjuster, plaintiff's lawyer. They all knew the drill. They, they, as Joe Murphy, who's uh, one of my mediators, says when he was practicing insurance defense, he only tried one case. He just tried it 200 times. That well, totally makes sense. And I, have, I don't do a whole lot of personal injury mediations in, in my own practice, but I have had some. Um, and in the the first several that I had, I distinctly recall feeling as though everybody involved in the process knew when the process began what the deal was going to be, except for two people, the plaintiff and me. Right. <laughs> and then eventually, I think I was supposed to be one of the ones who was in that club, you know, yes. who kind of figured it out. But Well, that's what it was. So, so really, um, it was, uh, the process was taking someone, and if you're talking about a case that's you know, uh, low five figures, not, not horrific injuries, but, but nonetheless, this person has been through something that is unique to them. Again, not unique to the other folks. So what it was really about, the, 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 the technique, if you will, was really about saying, we've all been there and done that. And this is what is likely to happen. These are the dollars that are being offered you now. And you really shouldn't risk that because what is being offered is within the range of likely outcome. Yeah, you, the participants or the plaintiff in this case needs to have uh, confidence and comfort that they're not doing something stupid. Right. They're not making and And I think it brings us around to what I consider one of the fundamental qualities of a mediator, which is credibility and trustworthiness. And it's a, it's an interesting practice in the sense that you have to inspire confidence in the participants while riding a fine line uh, in terms of giving advice, right? Because it's also, it's not your job to come in there and say, this, this is a good deal, you should take it. <laughs> because that's, in a way, that's, that's advocating on behalf of the party that's offering the deal, right? Yeah. So how did you, as you're starting out or as you gained experience, how did you learn how to uh, kind of balance those uh, different interests. Well, I think that there, there are really two things operating at the, at the same time. The one is because as a practicing attorney, I tried these cases. So you come in with a certain level of expertise. And in a lot of ways, because of I was uniquely situated um, with the smaller end cases, I had as much experience as anyone else in the room. So imagine going to a, a doctor that uh, just does, uh, you know, uh, broken legs. That's all he would do. I've seen these breaks. I know what they are. So you have credibility with the plaintiff's attorney and with, I'm, I'm sorry, with the plaintiff. Okay. So you've, you, you're, you're an expert in this. But the other piece of it is there, it not, it's not necessarily likability, but you certainly, you have to be able to engender trust, uh, at least enough trust 
to where they don't feel like they're buying a used car, uh, where, where they feel like what you are telling them is not only correct from what you've experienced, but it's also the right thing to do, and you are giving them good advice. There's an aspect of trust and confidence that uh, every participant in the room is going to have a, a different relationship to. So if you're the plaintiff and you're, you've been injured and you've been through this experience and now you're, you're in an unfamiliar process dealing in a room full of people who, to whom the process is extremely familiar, well, you know the lawyer on the other side is the bad guy, right? You, you don't trust that person. You, it's expressly understood that that person's advocating kind of against you in a way, right? Correct. And then you've got your own lawyer. And I think on the, on the surface, you'd think that, okay, that's somebody who you can trust and you do have confidence in. But the trust and confidence that you have in your mediator is different, right? There's this aspect of the limitation on the confidence you can have in your own lawyer <laughs> that gives you an interesting role to play as a mediator. I wonder what your thoughts are on that. No, absolutely right. And I think that that is why, you know, going back to when we, we started out, after we got, a, at least in Georgia, once you got away from the older white judge, um, there, the, the next iteration, what were half-time or part-time mediators? They practice law but they also mediated. So again, you would think, well, that's good because they're, they're boots on the ground. They, they know what's going on and so forth and so on. Um, what, what I have found, at least in, in my organization, is the mediators that are most successful are full-time. So that is something unique that you have that no one else in the room has. You tell the plaintiff, I'm advocating for a settlement. And I've always believed in transparency, and I think most of the good mediators I know do, where you say, look, you know, you've got your lawyer and they've got their agenda. Uh, defense obviously has their agenda. Defense lawyer has their agenda. You have uh, an agenda. I have an agenda. I'm advocating for a settlement. But because of that, I'm the only one that that's my only interest in this process is to see if we can't find common ground. And that is one of the reasons I think that uh, a media who does it, who does it effectively because again, let's go back to what we were talking about. You have to gain credibility in a very short period of time, trust in a very short period of time. And you can only do that on a limited basis. You're, they know you're not going to be their best friend. And if you try to be their best friend, you, you come across as disingenuous. Um, you can't predict the future. You may have some reason for believing what the future might pretend for this particular case, this particular fact pattern. But, in the, but you do have an interest in seeing if you can find an alternative would be be at resolution to a litigated outcome and that's not a diff difficult box to fill in a short period of time i have a notion about what makes a good mediator i've had the great fortune of meeting some of the folks on the miles panel in the, in atlanta and in nashville and in some of the other cities where the company is operating and as the guy who's been going around setting up these offices throughout the southeast who has met and worked with more mediators than probably you know any anybody else certainly that i know i wonder what uh, what you've observed about the personalities of uh, the people who tend to be successful in it. When I started out, I thought it was a personality type. I thought you had to be likable. The longer I've done this, I've found there's a lot of people that I know within my organization that are not necessarily, uh, I've, I shouldn't say they're not likable, but, 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 but they're not uh, necessarily, uh, you know, very extroverted. Not overly, not like hugely gregarious. Not gregarious. 
there's a lot of different ways to do this. Uh, there's a lot of there's some very reserved and quiet and mild mannered people, uh, very unassuming who are devastatingly effective yep. in, in this work. It's not a personality type. It's also not certain experience. Uh, I've I've had uh, folks who have been on my panel who are very young and have maybe a tenth of the experience that someone who's a retired judge would have. Very effective. It is a reflection of the bar. What and what I mean by that is so. To, to, for example, in Atlanta, Atlanta is uh, is and is becoming more diverse, uh, and therefore the bar is becoming more diverse. The bar is also becoming younger. So remember when I, I talked about how we started out, you had to have this long career. What I have found, at least we have been successful, the mediators at Miles that have been successful, oftentimes they, uh, they mirror, in terms of age, in terms of diversity, the up-and-coming power brokers in the bar. That did not exist. It, uh, certainly didn't exist 10 years ago, probably didn't even exist five years ago. We can point our finger, I think, at a lot of things that are not necessary or, or that it's not all about. But I wonder, as we're trying to put our finger on what it is all about, if the concept of authenticity and genuineness is one of those things. Oh, absolutely. Who, whoever you are. I can tell you a lot of things that uh, a successful mediator is not or doesn't necessarily need to be. But there are some things they absolutely have to be. And you just put your finger on one of those. And that is the, be, the ability to listen and to relate to the injured party. And, and sometimes uh, to the defendant. Because let's be honest, if, if you've been sued, that can be a personal thing too. So you have to be able to project that these folks have been heard they have not been dismissed, that they've been respected, which I think, by the way, ties back into the, the, the diversity. There, there are things that Susan Forsling, as a female mediator, is going to be able to relate to that I would not as, as a man. That, that's, that's just the way that is. So that's a piece of it. The other thing uh, that, that touches on this is an absolute uh, passion, or maybe maybe better said, it is, it is, you are all in on this profession. And I can tell you that every one of my successful mediators, of, of the 60 on the panel, I have 20 that earn very successful livings and book every day. And the one thing that is common to every one of them is they take it personally if a case does not settle. And they will put all of their energy and they will spend as much time as is necessary to either resolve, help the parties resolve that dispute or say, we just were not able to do it. You know, uh, Rex Smith is one of our meters, and, and on his um, uh, emails, at the bottom it says, the mediation's not over until the jury knocks. I like that a lot, and I completely agree. I mean, I, I think as we're developing our short list of, of attributes of a good mediator, we've got, I think, being, uh, being genuine and true and being real. Be, there's room for all different kinds of people in this work, uh, but it's important not to be artificial or to pretend to be something that you're not. Uh, people see through that. They, yes, can, they, they can tell. Um, and, and that just gets you off on the wrong foot if, you, if any of that kind of creeps in. And then the other uh, thing that you, this is what you just mentioned, and I agree completely, is what, what I would boil down to just effort. And, and whether that effort comes from your passion for the profession or just, I, I think there's a category of people out there that only know how to do 
only know how to be one way, you know, who, right. wh- whether they're trying to play ping pong or cook a meal or uh, wh- whatever it is that is before them in the moment that they're trying to accomplish. I think that there's a certain type of people. And a lot of these people become lawyers, frankly, very driven, almost perfectionistic uh, sort of people. I find that a big part of the job on mediation day is serving as a source of energy and enthusiasm just to keep it going because there's always twists and turns and down moments and uh, inflection points where it seems like this thing is going to go one way or the other, you know, and, and somebody's got to be there just saying, Hey, you know what? We're just going to, we're just going to keep plugging away at this thing until we get it done. Um, And that's, I, I relate that to just effort. And I, and I think you're right that that's a huge part of the job. Yeah, it, it, it is. Again, when I when I said that uh, what you you mentioned earlier about you, you go around and you recruit people, um, I can almost guarantee I don't care how experienced or how likable or how the ability of people to to identify with other folks, if they are saying I want to do this part time, I want to continue to practice law full time, but I want to dabble. If I can say that person might succeed, and I've seen examples of that, but the the odds are against that person succeeding. Most of my folks that have moved, transitioned to full time, and very successful full time, are are folks who is you know like Cortez burned the boats at the shore. You know, it's an interesting thing because I think a lot. All right, I think it is still the case in most places that most mediators are still practicing attorneys. That's right? true. I think the large majority of them are. It's a small handful of people, really. It's a small minority, really. I mean, it, it's a it's a significant minority within Miles Mediation Arbitration, but in the world of mediators out at large, there's a lot of people sure. that are just doing like a couple right. of a year. You know what I mean? And so I think that th- there's a chicken and an egg situation with a lot of people in their decision-making about this. I think there's a lot of folks out there, and th- I'm basically I'm just describing myself from years ago, right? Yeah. People who do have passion for it, who do have a, an aptitude for it, but who are kind of waiting until they 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 think they're successful enough at it, <laughs> right? right? And kind of waiting for like when, when's the right time. And it's an interesting dilemma, frankly, for somebody who's yes. who's considering it because um, the the two are mutually exclusive in a way. Like when, when you're trying to practice law, being a mediator kind of gets in the way. It's actually, uh, it's, it's annoying <laughs> to, I remember when I, you know, if I had a, a case, if I had a trial coming up or a brief yeah. I had to write, if I had two mediations in a week, I was very inconvenienced by that. And, and, it, and, and Steve, let me say th- yeah. that translates to the parties you're mediating for. Yes, totally. It absolutely does. There's only one time in my whole life as a mediator in which I remember distinctly um, wanting to get out of there I just wanted it to be over with and right. and even I, I I think I even said something at some point they were they weren't going to make an offer at all right. <laughs> and I remember that it was it was one of those ones right. where like they was it was not going to settle and they didn't even want it to settle they knew it wasn't going to settle yeah. but they wanted to like do some free right. discovery or something during the mediation yeah. I remember I was just like look guys if this isn't happening I, you know, I'm, ha- I'm happy to like help you in whichever way I can, but I got things I got to do. Right. And I've, I still remember this is years ago. I still remember it and I'll always remember it because I remember it being the thing that I never wanted to have happen. Right. The thing I never wanted to do, but, but that's the thing. Yeah. You know, when your job is being a lawyer and you're trying to get into being a mediator, it's how does one know when you can sort of declare 
yeah. that's your full time. And the, the decision I made was just to just do it. Right. Frankly, before it was it really existed, you know what I mean. Well, that's another that's another thing I look for when I'm recruiting. In, in your case, your 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 wife works. And uh, so there was there was the economic safety net. Now let's be clear. My wife not only works; she is a physician with a career. I mean, she she has a <laughs> right. great job. Yeah, we're very fortunate in that yeah. way. And you, and I think what you're alluding to is the fact that I had a, a safety net. You there. had a safety I, I, net. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, and, and I'm extremely thankful for that. It made and, everything possible. And, and many people don't. Right. So they, they may have they may have their foot in both worlds for a very long period of time. And in my case, doing something they they didn't like to do. Now, how was I able to do it? The the lat now we're in a very um, uh, you know kind of hot real estate market right now. The last time that was um, was when I sold our house in Atlanta, and we had no debt and we had a bunch of money in the bank. So that was the first time I was able to say, hmm, I've already been thinking about these things. I'm going to make the leap into mediation, and I had six months to a year. So when I'm uh, telling people, you know, do, if this is something you want to do, yes, burn your boat, but make sure. Because something else, Steve, I found that people will pick up on immediately is if they sense there's a desperation in you and you're just doing this for the money because you're inevitably going to push too hard. And that is not effective. So having that economic safety net is another, uh, I mean, it's maybe it's not so you know sexy to talk about, but it's a reality if you're going to make that transition to full time. And as I've said, the best mediators I know are the ones who do it full time. Well, and okay, so the reason for that is interesting to me because uh, if you're a full timer, in a sense, you're self-selecting into that group. You obviously have some kind of a passion for it. You want sure. to do it. It's a choice that you've made to be serious about yes. pursuing mediation, and so that that's a self-selecting group in its own right. And you're going to have folks who, hopefully, who have some aptitude for it. There's also an aspect of it, and I, I say this to people who are getting newly certified all the time. There's an aspect of mediation. It's very much like practicing law in the sense that there's no substitute for experience. The right. hundredth case that you mediate, you're going to be a lot better at it than the tenth and the five hundredth and so on, right? right. And um, and so that that's a huge part of it, and it's uh, and that's kind of where where I am now in my own sort of growth professionally is I, I I got the I feel like I got the basics down but I'm as the more I learn the more I realize that there's this whole there's still so much to learn and there's yeah. so much nuance and uh, you work with some of the best in the business nationwide right. uh, what do you observe about the way that those folks approach their work and just while we're at it I'll just mention our colleague Michael Russell in Nashville is a guy who I consider to be at the top of the profession. And there he is going. I just saw he just got a degree. Right. <laughs> he just graduated. I saw, I mean, yep. He's wearing a robe at graduate. I had no idea he was even doing that. But he yep. just picked up an LLM in dispute resolution. Yes. I guess that's one of the attributes of the people who are who are really going for it is yeah. that they never stop. Yeah, there's a couple things to say. Well, more than a couple. Um, and you, and you, you touched on this. It, all, all the all the ones who are right now who are the best in the business all started doing lower cases. It, to use the baseball analogy, they they started at double A, and they and they got there at bats and they and they and they you know made their mistakes on lower level cases. Um, the other thing is they they remain uh, intellectually curious about the profession, and 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 not only about the profession. You know, Joe Murphy is. Uh, another, he started this uh, a book club where, and and the folks at Miles uh, that that they're free to participate. These are not all going to be books about me, mediation. In fact, 
few will be. Most will be about, you know, other topics, but all about how to relate, how to listen, how to communicate. And I can tell you that the, the, the successful mediators at Miles will participate uh, in, in, that, in that book club. Um, so that curiosity that Michael Russell, um, you know, he exemplifies in getting the degree. Never, it's, you know, it's like you never graduate. You, 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 just, you just keep progressing. The reason that is important when you combine that with passion is you reach a level of expertise. And I, I should add here that uh, when I started out, substantive knowledge of the, of the area of law was much more important than it is now. I, can, I would make the argument now that your ability to mediate and manage a process, an ADR process, is more important now to customers than your substantive knowledge. I agree with that. It's... Um... I, I used to get questions a lot like, what do you know about franchises or have you ever dealt with uh, financial services in particular? And at first I would, you know, I'd always be careful to disclaim what I know and what I don't know. You know, this right. is what I, this is the experience. But after doing some franchise and some financial services mediation, you realize that, you know, if you promise to do something, you got to do it, right? There's yep, a, like right. whatever area of law we're involved in, like that that principle is still there. You can't if you've lied and cheated, like that's not gonna <laughs> that's not good, right? You know, yeah. there's some very basic, like you know, a lot of law boils down to some some basic concepts, but I think that the uh, the 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 concept of experience, I think. Um, is useful and helpful, but the, it, the advice I get to, to that I give to people who are starting out is is where your experience comes in handy is not so much in the actual work on mediation day, but in your network and yep. in, in getting people to take a chance on you. Right. You know, I, I think that one of the biggest hurdles that we face as mediators trying to get something up and going is just the fact that there's a lot of inertia around what I call the usual suspects, like the people who are known quantities right. who you know are going to do a, a good job for you and anybody any why are you going to take a chance you know your right. case is important you really want it to go right on that day it's hard i think uh to get folks to take a chance and you as you're opening new offices and you're bringing new people along and introducing them to the profession some of whom have gone on to become superstars uh what do you think is the key then to getting your foot in the door in the first place yeah, it, it the one the one thing that we've been tremendously blessed by is the the growth of this industry. Uh, when when I started out, um, the number of cases that were mediated, and I'm talking about you know 90s, early 2000s, was very very small. Uh, one of the things that the recent pandemic did, I think, is it just accelerated a trend that was already there. So what I mean is that um, COVID closed down courts. And before COVID, uh, I think that uh, ADR uh, was an off-ramp on a highway that was leading to a jury trial. And lawyers, litigators, controlled that off-ramp. So uh, you, you, would, you would get a file in, the client that gave you the file, we are going to trial. Oh, by the way, we might try this if and when I think it's appropriate. I think what has happened because of the pandemic, and we'll know probably in the next 18 months to two years, is those who have been injured and those who have the resources who have uh, allegedly done the injury have looked at ADR in a way they didn't before. Uh, we, we are seeing exponential growth uh, at, at Miles. 
um, growth like we've never seen in the history of the company. I like to think it's because we are a really good in, uh, firm, which I, which I believe we are. But the, what's happened is there are more and more people entering. So what does that mean to people who want to get into this? It means you're going to have opportunity because here's the thing. The, the, the greats, the, the folks you were talking about, you know, the usual suspects, they only, they're only a certain number of individuals. They only have a certain number of days in the month. So there are going to be opportunities. And if you're wanting to get into this now, like there never have been for you to get some auditions and see what you can do. I wonder as we wrap this up, what you see as the future, whether that's uh, for the for the work of mediation, for the profession generally, for the court system, for the business, or for yourself as a as a guy who, uh, you know, none of us is getting any younger. I don't know right. about you, but I find myself uh, continuing to get a little bit older. And you have now had an opportunity to reflect on a, a, a long career and one that has had uh, a few different chapters. And yeah. you have an opportunity now to work with your son in a professional sort of context. And yeah. I imagine that that gives you a lot of pride. Um, and this thing that you're building together, um, is, uh, is personal, uh, to you. It's got your name on it. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder as you think about where we are now and where we're headed in the future, what, what does the future bring? Well, I would, first of all, I would say to anyone out there who's practicing law and it, like where I was, uh, who really doesn't like it, uh, at least, Give give a give a, a nod toward or maybe take a chance on this. No better time as we just talked about to do it. Um, as as far as the industry, uh, I think that what we're seeing is that um, there is so much more work, and being a member of an organization, uh, one one of the strengths we have at Miles, and for the first time in the history of Miles, we are able to bring people on who have never done this before and very quickly start getting work. That is because of the brand. That is because for a certain firms or, or corporations or insurance companies, they've said, we like the way Miles does it. If we can't get one of our preferred, we will take a chance on someone else. So I think that's where the industry is going. As far as me personally, one of the things that I uh, have learned, you have to have a certain amount of ego. Well, let's be honest, a lot of ego and uh, a lot of optimism to, to launch something like this. But as a consequence, you think you know everything. And as anyone who knows me, I say, if I don't know, I will still tell you that I know. Uh, to get where we've gotten, I had to pretty quickly realize what I didn't know. And uh, my son is one of those, uh, Parag Shah, uh, the, our other managers and staff are tremendously talented. So uh, what I've been doing more, Steve, is taking on the role more of uh, maybe direction, kind of the vision, and letting the day-to-day -day operations be run by others who are far more qualified at doing that than I am. Well, I think one way to sum all of that up, everything that you've said, is that the future is bright. Uh, these are words that you're known to say a lot. And uh, I appreciate very much your being with me today on the Steve Dunn Podcast and uh, all that you're doing for us here in the company and here in Charlotte.